Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning, Blue Ridge Church. My name is Corey, and I volunteer in the kids' area here every Sunday with my beautiful wife, Katie. And this is a little bit different than my normal Sunday in here. I don't see any bouncy houses in here. I can't sneak over and play Pac-Man. And there's a lot more of you all in here than there is in there. But I'm excited to be with you all today as we continue on in our series, We the Church. So welcome to everybody that's here and to all those that are joining us online And if you're here for the first time or joining us for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. In this series, We the Church, we've been talking a lot about us as individuals and us as a church and our role in the community. Now, I don't know about you all and your reputation today, but unfortunately, the universal church does not have the best reputation. And many of you already know that. But what concerns me the most is the church probably has the worst reputation with those in the 18 to 29-year-old age group. And as Scott mentioned in the welcome, this is a group that I consistently work with. The 18 to 29s are 54-plus million people in the United States that have a direct impact on the church today and on the future of the church. And as a parent of two kids who are in the elementary room right now and hopefully behaving for the volunteers in there. It does concern me that this age group might not see the church as valuable as maybe those of past generations. 18 to 29 year olds leave the church in droves when they leave their home. And so I think it's important that we know a lot about this group so that we can better reach them. As Scott mentioned, I work with the FCA at Virginia Tech, and in this role, I'm blessed with the opportunity to serve as a chaplain for sports teams, and I work with a group of student leaders closely, and so every day I'm building relationships with people that are in in this age group. But we must know about this demographic, especially with so many of them right here in our community, with Radford and New River and Virginia Tech all within a 25-minute driving distance. We have a lot of this age group right here with us in our community. And so here are some things that we can know about them. They are a generation that is greatly impacted by global issues. They're big into social justice. They wanna help those and they are concerned with those that are, are hurting or are suffering. And they are weary of organizations that may seem to be selfishly motivated or organizations that don't seem to really be caring about those in the community. And this age group is also big into authenticity. The biggest question that they have for the church is, are these people real? Are they genuine? And this is an attribute that Scott talked about in our relationship series, being real, being authentic. And he said that we have to be real if we want to be effective at communicating, especially with the 18 to 29-year-old group. In my experience uh, working with the FCA, very rarely do I go and introduce myself to somebody for the first time and tell them what I do, and they automatically want to jump into a Bible study with me, or they automatically want to jump into a weekly meeting with me. It takes time to build relationships because that is a barrier. They want to know, hey, who is this dude? 
Is this guy real? Does he truly care about me? And so a lot of what I do is just the ministry of presence. It's just being around. It's helping them and serving them wherever I can. It's asking them how their day's going, how their classes are going, how things are going back home. And when I do that, they see that I do truly care about them, and I do. And this opens doors and it allows for opportunities. As the old adage goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you don't truly care, and if you aren't authentic, then you're probably not going to have the best reputation. They're also big into technology. This reminds me of one Sunday when I was serving in the kids' area, and I know this is a different age bracket, but uh, this story came to mind, and it shows the impact that technology has. We were doing a, a sermon or a lesson on who we can go to to help when we're, over, when we're trying to overcome obstacles or if we're facing something too challenging to do on our own. And the main point was that we can go to God to help us in those things. And so I led the, the lesson off with a, a question, who do you go to for help when you're facing something that may be too difficult for you to do on your own? And as I asked the question, as always, all the kids are raising their hand, pick me, pick me. That's why I love that room is they're all so eager to answer, but you never know what answer you might get. So they keep you on your toes, which is awesome. So I called on the first uh, kid that I saw raise their hand. I said, who do you go to for help? And I was expecting the answer, mom, dad, grandparent, uh, maybe an older sibling or a friend. And in all seriousness, the kid looked at me and he said, Siri. I said, all right. I guess we can go to Siri for help <laughs> these days. I said, I might need to get with you after the lesson because I can never get mine to, to work. It never understands me. But the 18 to 29-year-old group is huge into technology, and it's, it's really their life. Right? It plays a huge impact in their lives. They're big into social media, and I see this all the time. It seems like any time somebody gets a spare second, they're getting out their phone and they're scrolling through something. I remember last year on campus, on the sidewalks before you crossed the road, they had things that said, heads up Hokies on the sidewalk. As a reminder for you, oh, hey, you're about to cross the road, you better look where you're going and not be looking down at your phone. And I was talking to our baseball chaplain a couple weeks ago, and he said this about this age group. He said that this is the most connected they've ever been, but the most unknown they have ever been. And I thought that's, that is so true, right? They have all these friends and followers on these social media platforms. They get all these likes and shares and retweets. And so they're connected, but they don't truly feel known. This age group, like so many others, say that it's hard to see the real Jesus because of the negative baggage that surrounds Jesus and surrounds the church. And that's what we, why what we've been talking about over the past several weeks is so important. Now, it's not unusual for people in this age group to leave the church when they get out of their home. I know I did it. When I left home and got to college, church was the last place I wanted to be on Sunday morning. Getting engaged into a church community wasn't even on my radar at that time. And a lot of us did this. Because unfortunately, for a lot of us, church was kind of uninteresting for young people. It was tailored to the adults. But what's different today from other generations is that other generations eventually came back to the faith. And that brings us to learning number one. And as Scott mentioned, if you want to follow along, you can do that um, through the 
the app online or you can scan the QR code or if you're, on, on, if you're online, there's a link in there for you. But learning number one, when 18 to 29 year olds leave the church, the majority may never come back. I love Blue Ridge Church. I love my church because this church is engaging to young people. And if they are engaged at a young age, not just attending, and there's a big difference, then their chance of sticking as an adult goes way up. And that's why we engage up and coming 18 to, 19, 18 to 29 year olds well before they reach the age of 18. We don't have a high school classroom on Sunday mornings here intentionally because we want high schoolers in here with us. The more, they are, the more engaged they are with the big church, the more they're used to it, and we see a higher retention rate when they leave the home. They're already used to big church when they move away. We do have a program for high schoolers on Wednesday nights, and it's awesome. It looks like a ton of fun. I follow them on Instagram, and they're always in here uh, having a good time, playing games together, fellowshipping together, worshiping together, and learning about Jesus. And so if you do have a high schooler or a middle schooler, then you definitely want to check that out on Wednesdays. But here are some statistics for you all about this age group. According to Pew Research, 76% of this age group have changing standards. In other words, 76% of those asked if there's a clear definition of right and wrong say that it depends on the situation. Here's another one. 38% of 18 to 29-year-olds who never went to church have a negative impression of Christianity. And a good number of them said that they would never want to be a part of Christianity. And this shows you the huge obstacle that we have to overcome. And if they've never been to church and they have a negative impression of Christianity, well, what's a big reason for that? It's the reputation of the church. Again, the whole reason for this series, for far too long the church has been known for what it is against, for what it is against instead of what it is for. And that's why most young people have a dislike of Christians and church, and that's why we see some of these statistics. According to Carrie Newhoff, only 21% of non-Christians have a positive view of the church. According to the Christian Post, 72% of the unchurched believe that the church is full of hypocrites. Many feel that the church is too judgmental or too political or too anti-homosexual. And how did it get this way? By being known for what we are against instead of what we are for. And the irony is a lot of the sins that the church has called out in other people's lives are sins that have been going on in our own lives. We thought in the past that we can change people by sharing our opinions about their sins without working on the sins in our own lives, but it doesn't work that way. A better approach is being known for something, being known for Jesus, to invite people to learn about Jesus, to encourage people to better know Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that is the only hope that we have is to know Jesus. He is the one that transforms lives. A lot of Christians are embarrassed by the things that other Christians say and do. Maybe you found yourself in this place 
recently, but I, I bet a lot of people here today and watching today kind of feel the same way. They might not even want people knowing that they're a Christian because they're afraid it might hinder their ability to become friends with somebody who isn't a Christian. Because of the church's past, we can get labeled so quickly when we tell somebody that we're a Christian and when we bring up our faith, people can automatically shut down. And one reason for this is because they might think that we're automatically against whatever it is they're doing because that's what they've heard in the past. And again, this shows you the uphill battle that we have to overcome. But I think at Blue Ridge, I know at Blue Ridge, and again, I love this church because I think we've set a new standard. I think we're overcoming that negative perception of Christianity with outsiders. So in this, ser in this series, we've talked about our responsibility in the community, and now I wanna look at our purpose of the church in our community. Because really, if we don't have a purpose as a church, in the community in which we operate, then we don't have any reason to exist. And the purpose of the church to help people find and follow Jesus is found in a couple key passages of Scripture in the Bible. And as we look at these, we're going to look at really five purposes of the church that we see in these Scriptures. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And this is commonly referred to as the great commandment and as I read this again this morning, and any time I read this, I just think to myself, what would it look like if we just did these things? Like how different would our community look if we just loved God and just loved our neighbors? The second scripture is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And it says, and this is Jesus, resurrected Jesus, talking to the disciples. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. And I've also heard it referred to as the Great Commission because we're not to do it alone. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into the purpose of the church, but we see there in the last line the reassuring and empowering words that gives us the promise that he is with us as we go out and do this. And so the purpose of the church is built around these two verses, the great, the great commandment and the great commission. We are to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. Right? That is worship. God should be first place in our lives. God comes first. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Scott hit that last week. But the best way to love our neighbors is to serve others, is to serve the community. And Jesus didn't come to this world to be served, but to serve. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. One way we serve on Sundays every week is to create a place 
where people can come and feel welcome and feel comfortable. So the first two purposes of the church are found in the great commandment, right, to worship and to serve, to love God and to serve others. And the next three are found in the great commission. First, it says, go and make disciples of all the nations. That is sharing the good news about Jesus and salvation. That is sharing with others that Jesus can be the difference maker in their lives. He was the difference maker in my life, and he continues to be the difference maker in my life. And I know a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of testimonies, where Jesus is the difference maker, was the difference maker in their lives. And that's good news. That's the best news. And so we want to go out and we want to share that news with others. And sharing the good news is doing anything and everything we can to just walk along of somebody, aside of, alongside of somebody and help them on their faith journey. It's just to be willing to do whatever it takes to help them take, take that next step on their faith journey wherever they are in their lives. It's not necessarily getting up and speaking in front of people. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it's just being present, being around, lending an ear to them, opening up a dialogue, asking them how they're doing. You'll be amazed at the opportunities that that opens up to share the good news. And that is evangelism. That is sharing. In the past, the church has taught that evangelism is getting people to pray a prayer of salvation. But that's not it. Again, it's just taking that next step with them on their faith journey, wherever they are in life. And so let's look at the next purpose, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, connecting people to the body of Christ, bringing them into the family, the family of Christ. And lastly, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. That is to grow, growing together, sharing together, learning together, and ultimately uh, ultimately changing together. So we see in learning number two that all churches are called to the great commandment and the great commission. These five things that we've looked at, to worship, to serve, to share, connect, and to grow. Churches may call these different things, but we are all called to them. And so it's pretty clear about what Christ says in these verses to see our purpose as a church. But what else do we know about the church? I think it's important to know what the church's purpose is as we hone in on our role in the community. We'll do this. We'll look at Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And Paul says... And as I say that, I'm thinking about that rap song that was played. Paul writing the letter to the church. I got that in my head. But Paul says in Ephesians, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so at this time, when Paul's writing this letter, the Gentiles were seen as outsiders. 
The Gentiles were anybody and any people or any part of a nation group that was outside of the Jewish people group. And a lot of the religious leaders saw them as inherently unclean. But Paul is telling him that, telling them here in this letter, and he's telling us today that God's salvation is for everyone. It doesn't matter what your background is, where you come from, where your parents come from, what you've done in the past. God's salvation is for everyone. And through Christ, we're united as one family. And so the church is a family. This is a family. Some of you all may be looking around and thinking, if this is my family, I feel a lot better about my regular family. But truth be told, this is a family, and we need to work together with one mind and one purpose for, to carry out God's mission for the church. And we're not a perfect family. Far from it. But as a family, we agree on the purpose and the direction and the strategy of the church. You see, the church is an instrument to share about Jesus and to learn about Jesus. The church is a tool to reach people with a life-changing message about Jesus Christ and salvation. And it's not simply for salvation. That comes first. But it's also for discipline and for instruction. It's for continuous learning, not learning so we can walk around all puffed up with pride like we know more than everybody else, but learning so that we can know more about Christ and we can grow more to become more like the character of Jesus. So we see in learning number three, the church is a body of people. It's not a building. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do, so we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. Now, when I think of this, maybe it's just, or when I read this, and maybe this is just for being in sports ministry, but I think of a word, and Scott used this word last week in one of the learnings, and that's just the word team. It's people coming together, people with different gifts and abilities that God has given them, coming together with a common purpose. And take the track team, for example, the team that I work with. You have sprinters and jumpers and pole vaulters and distance runners and throwers, all very different gifts and talents, of which God gave me none of those, but that's okay. But all different gifts and talents, and they know that when the ACC championships roll around, they have to come together as one unit. They have to rely on each other to achieve that common purpose or that common goal. And so all the parts of the body here, just like the human body and just like we saw in the scripture, are a necessary part of the church. We have people who are good at leading groups and running teams. We have people who are good at working with kids We have people who are really good at avoiding getting hit by you as you pull into the parking lot. We have people that are awesome at greeting people and welcoming people. And we all have a part to play. We all have gifts to offer. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Galatians 5.13 says, My brothers and sisters, God called you to be free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. Serve each other with love. 
And so it's easy to, or first off, we see in those verses that we are all given gifts and talents, but we're not to use those for our selfish gain, right? We're to use those to serve others. And it may be easy to walk in here on a Sunday and think, oh, they have it all together. They don't need me. But that's not true. I remember when I first started volunteering here, I didn't really know where I would fit if I would really fit anywhere. I didn't know where the church could use me, uh, but my wife wanted to volunteer in the kids' area and said, I said, okay, I'll, I'll give that a try. And I'll never forget that first Sunday I served in the elementary room. I had so much fun. It just felt natural. And God revealed to me a gift that he had given me, the gift of being a big kid, maybe. The, the gift to connect with kids and to make kids feel comfortable and make kids feel known and make learning about Jesus fun. And now I can't imagine being anywhere else on Sunday mornings other than being in that elementary room here at Blue Ridge. I feel like God has a gift that I can use to serve others, and ultimately, hopefully, to lead others to Him. And guess what? So do you, and so does everybody, and we need everybody. God created us all with certain gifts and abilities to use in the church. We tend to sit back and think, oh, somebody else will take care of it. Or even worse, we let the enemy tell us that we don't have anything to offer but we're all necessary and integral parts of the body of Christ. And the challenging thing is, and the great thing is about this church is that there's three services. It's challenging because it takes all hands on deck to make it work, but it's great because you have three opportunities to serve every Sunday. So you can serve a service and you can attend a service. And you don't have to serve every Sunday. We have volunteers that serve every other week. We have volunteers that serve once a month. So you can serve and you can do what's best for you at your stage in life right now. I want to encourage men to serve in the kids' area. A lot of kids need male role models in their life. And if you serve in the kids' area, you don't have to teach. Even our lead teachers don't spend hours each week preparing a lesson or preparing a message. We use the best curriculum in the country that we can get our hands on, and the heavy lifting is already done. We all have a part to play in our community, and we have a part to play to reach a big part of our community, the 70-plus percent of those that don't attend church anywhere. Most churches are not set up for the community. There's too much insider language and rules and regulations, too many things that are, are ingrained from so many years of tradition. There are too many people that are unwilling to change, and that's why this next statistic is so disheartening, and it's learning number four. 90% of churches in America are in decline. The universal church has been far too comfortable for far too long and has done things for insiders instead of outsiders. We've catered to people who have written the biggest checks. We've caved to our beliefs because of societal issues and societal pressures. We've been reluctant to do things because a group has threatened to leave and they're the ones that are making the most noise. And what has happened is that the church has gotten off of God's mission for the church. And that is why from day one, Blue Ridge has desired to create a place that the unchurched love to attend. 
I know that each one of us here has somebody in our family or our friend's circle that we desperately want to know Jesus. Maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a brother, a sister, a grandchild, a close friend, a co-worker. We want them found. And we have to ask ourselves, what kind of sacrifice is that worth? We have a responsibility to invest in the church. And we have the greatest mission on earth. And why is that even important for you all? Why is that even important for us as a church? Here we do expect that Christ followers, those that are already found, invest and make sacrifices financially to help us continue to reach those that are lost. Because found people find people. And truly, we are not invested in something if we aren't giving to it or if we aren't serving it. Winston Churchill said, you make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you give. And as a church family, we are going to continue to take big risks to reach people for Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And lastly, invite people to church. Anytime somebody in the community remotely brings up church or talks about church or asks about it, invite them to church. Most people attend church because of an invitation from somebody else. And the best way to do this is just give them a quick 30-second rundown of the church. Hey, they're not going to single you out. They're not going to ask you to introduce yourself. They're not going to make you feel uncomfortable. The church is big enough to hide, and it's going to be over in an hour. If you've never been to church or if you've been to church your whole life, you will feel welcome. You will feel comfortable. And we have to remember that people aren't against God, just the way that churches have presented God in the past. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. This is the day that you have made. Your mercies are new every morning. And so we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for everybody that you brought here today, Lord. Thank you for all those that are watching online, and thank you for this church. Thank you for just revealing to us, again, what your purpose is for the church, Lord, and that we can do that here, those, the most important things, to worship you, to learn more about you and grow in our relationships with you, to serve others and to connect with this awesome church family. Lord, I know that there's some out there today and some maybe watching online that don't truly know you. As we talk, there's been negative baggage that has surrounded the church, and there's been some barriers put up to keep people from knowing the true you, Lord. So today I ask that you just open their hearts to, to who you are and what you want for them, Lord, that you are our creator, that you love us, Lord, that we're sinners, and we recognize that we're sinners, Lord, but, but you know that. You know our hearts and you still want to have a relationship with us. 
So you had a plan for us, Lord. You sent your son Jesus to die for us and to be resurrected again so we may have eternal life and we may have abundant life in you. And Lord, all we have to do is trust that. We just have to believe that and trust you. And so again, I pray that you just open up hearts to hear that this morning. Thank you again for this church and for this community. Ask that you protect us as we head out today and this week and bring us back safely next Sunday. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage everybody to fill out the connection cards online. This is where you can give us prayer requests. You can maybe see what the next step for you is, or if you have any more information or need any more information about the church, it's all on there. If you're worshiping through giving today, you can do that online. You can do that in the black boxes at the back of the church. And if you are a teacher, first off, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we appreciate you. I know how hard you all work. My wife is a kindergarten teacher, and this week is Teacher Appreciation Week. So if you're a teacher, I encourage you all to check out the top three things on our website, or you can scan the QR code, fill out the teacher appreciation form, and come back by the church on Tuesday, anytime from 3 to 5.30, and we'll give you a Starbucks gift card. I know you all might need some coffee to get through the end of the school year. But you all have a great week, and we'll see you next week.